It's the United States Steel Program. U.S. Steel, makers of iron tablets, bring you... Common Sense. Common Sense, a funny program called Matinee with Bob and Ray with Ken Wilson and Bill Green, the organ and piano, and our great esteemed engineer. What is his name? I suggest. Bring up the applause, please. But anyway, he's here. And I just remembered Charlie Burgoyne. And we're all here for the next half hour, right? Uh, plus a guest star. Yes, we're here with plus a guest star. And, of course, uh, did you mention Ken and Bill? Sure, I mentioned Ken and Bill. Two of the finest guys I know. No. I didn't mean to say that. Well, here we are. You didn't ask about my health. How's your health, Bray? You weren't here yesterday, were you? No, I wasn't. And uh, I had a very severe pain in my back. And, of course, being a radio, I didn't know whether it was a cold or a knife. But uh, I went to a doctor, and, and he, he confirmed that it was a little... Say, hey, Ray, you didn't go to Dr. St- uh, Dr. Fish, the famous surgeon, oh, did you? not that. No, I went to my you own doctor, who's a grand scout. Is he? Too bad he didn't go to medical school. <laughs> but that's all beside the point. I think, uh, well, we can't have a doctor commercial today. It's not their day for the program. That's right. Incidentally, do we have any commercials? We have three commercials. We do, really. Name them. I, I defy you. Well, the name. first one Ray is testy to you, my favorite cigarette. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> what else do we have? Then we have a commercial for the for the uh, New England Doll and Novelty Company. Uh huh. And then we have another one for Cynthia Sweet. The greatest candy in this or any other world. I'd like to say at this point that all of our sponsors have generously omitted their commercials today to wish you all a Merry Christmas. I've got a late Answer that phone, please. <laughs> I've got a very late bulletin for you. The spirit hasn't caught up with them that much, no. but they're still trying to peddle their product, and we will attempt to assist them in this great endeavor. Which means we'll play their transcriptions, we'll talk about their products, we'll and try to make you buy them in short. That's the whole idea. No, we don't care whether they wear shorts to buy them. No, we'll buy them anyway. And uh, just so long as you buy the product and uh, give us a wonderful reputation for being great radio salesmen, that's all we have. And when you stop at your favorite cigar counters, you'd say that Bob and Ray sent you for Chesterfield. <laughs> we'll say thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be interested to know. They, they in turn, forward the Chesterfield people a list of how many people have asked, have mentioned Bob and Ray. I don't know, but I have the feeling that we saved Chesterfield from bankruptcy, Bob. How do you well, feel I, about I like it? to feel that way about it, too. I like to feel that way. <laughs> they're, they're a coming concern. They're, they're on the way up, and it's, the I least like we can do is to help them. I'd like to repeat again that little hint that I had before about Chesterfield. You know that little white paper they're wrapped in? Mm-hmm. You can steam that paper off and save the tobacco, and you can use the paper that has a little glue on it to catch a, a, a wandering lock of hair. You have to put, put more glue on. on it for that, though. Yeah, a little more glue. Of course, you have that white piece of paper on your head, but what do you care? People will ask questions. And if they ask questions of you, your name is getting around. Right. Whether, whether they, it's bad publicity or good, if you're, it's publicity. That's the thing. That's, that's the way we work about this thing. That's right. What else have we got to say? Well, I don't know. Nothing particular. Why don't we have one of those commercials and then maybe some music or something? Who do we have? Arthur Godfrey today? No, we have uh, Bill Lawrence today. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's listen to Bill. Chesterfield satisfy women and men. Chesterfield over and over again. Smokers agree. Always by Chesterfield they <coughs> Ah, gee, I love that song. <laughs> it's awful pretty. And uh, it seems to me that they've stuck on something there with that that is catching on. And I noticed that they use all the talent of the different Chesterfield programs. Isn't that funny, huh? Funny they have Probably a get a keeper or something. I've written them a very nasty note, Bob, saying that I may give up smoking and go back to corn silk. Unless uh-huh. they put you and you and myself on those records. That should get immediate action, I should think. I think so. But uh, are we going to have music or, or soap opera right here? Ah, uh, let's do a soap opera. Mm-hmm. 
And we can compete with Moss Perkins on a competing stage. The Life and Loves of Linda Lovelace, written for radio by A. Carrington Love, and starring Marcia Van Allshot as Linda, Sherman L. Sturdley as David. Today we'll hear Linda say, Oh. It's late afternoon as we look in at the small house halfway up in the next block. Over the bowling alley, it's so quiet you can hear a pin. Oh, stop that nonsense. Now, do this thing right, Bob, or leave. Seated before an open fire. Don't go. Seated before a crackling fire are Linda, David, and little Skipper. Wait a minute. Hey, we've jumped several episodes here. We don't know how he even got back. We only have a budget to pay for two men and two musicians. Uh, I don't know how we're going to work in the 365th Field Artillery Regiment. All right, I'll take the introduction over. Seated before a crackling fire are Linda, David, and two musicians. Just say two people. Seated before a crackling fire are two people. To be identified later. Linda, speak. David, I had a phone call from Lawyer Tucker this morning. Lawyer Tucker called you? Yes, they're taking Skipper away from me. Again? He's our dog, you know. They're taking little Skipper again. This is terrible news. I'll have to get on the phone right away. He did the mailman when he brought us that COD package. Say, Linda, David. Yes? What's going downstairs, Barry? Like... David just bit the mailman because he brought him a COD package, Uncle Alma. Uncle Eugene. Oh, Uncle Eugene. Linda, you're you're forgetting things lately. I've noticed that. Yes, I know. What was I'm in so that COD package? What? What was in the COD package that he brought? An imitation bracelet made out of Tootsie Rolls. That same bracelet you're wearing now on your neck? I got it for only two ninety eight. I'll bet all of your friends... I heard that nice man on the radio say, send for it. Be nice for your friends to get one of those, Linda. I hope I could offer it for sale. I only wish I could. Oh, it would be too expensive for your friends to have. I wish people all over America could have one of these for the same price I paid. It certainly would be a wonderful Christmas gift, one that every woman listener would like to have for her very own. Every woman listener would probably want three. How many would they want, you suppose? At least three, I think, Uncle Eugene. It would be nice if they could have one. How did you say this arrived, this beautiful fifty-year-old bracelet? It came COD to the door. And Skipper bit the mailman? Yes. And the mailman has complained. Wait, did the mailman bite Skipper back? Uh, no. No, he, he just ran off down the street. And he said, I'm going to cause trouble for you. Linda, I've been meaning to tell you for some time. I'm leaving for Africa next week. But you're bold. Bold. Brave. Baggy. Bold. And of... Brown. Banditos. Yes, Maggie. I'm leaving for Africa next week. Oh, David, how kind of you to remember. Wow. So David is off again for Africa, leaving Linda in the small house at River's Mouth. Skipper once more has been taken away, and possibly tomorrow we'll hear more of this amazing turn of events. Now, ladies, are you thinking about supper? Well, I don't blame you. I'm not either. All right, if I had lunch, it's kind of early. Sure. Who cares? Why don't we think about our guests that we have this afternoon, huh? Thank you very much, Bob. And hello, friends. Not not you, Mary, but uh, I think you'd you'd be very interested to meet this young fella. Oh? Uh, He's seated across from me now, you can see. Oh, yeah. That's microphone. Yeah. And uh, he bears a very famous name. And, Mary, I'd like to have you meet John Barrymore, Jr. John, that well, for the land's sake. John, this is Mary Magoon, our, our cooking expert. How are you, Mary? Oh, fine, thank you, John. My land. And don't ask so John if he's married. He's 17 married? years old. Oh, no. <laughs> he asks everybody that we have up here. Land sakes. A very beautiful girl, Mary. Isn't she lovely, huh? Thank you, John. 
Sit down there. I want to talk to him. Yeah. <clears throat> Ray, you've met John. First of all, she isn't beautiful. You know that, John. She was. She just, you know, so-so. Well, John, you've seen, you've heard eight minutes of our program. How long do you think it'll take us to go big time? <laughs> eight more minutes. <laughs> uh, eight more years. John is here in connection with a movie that he will, uh, he is appearing in. We'll soon be seeing it. It's going to be at the Pilgrim Theater the first of the year. It's called The Sundowners. That's the Western, isn't it, John? That's right. That's, that's the first film that you've appeared in? Yeah, I uh, persuaded my mother for about two or three years to let me become an actor. And finally, George Templeton, the man who directed the picture, talked her all the way into it. Well, of all the names in the world... I should think that that is an actor's name. I'll, I, I'll bet there are very few Barrymores going back through the years who haven't been actors or actresses. There are good ones, either. Mm -hmm. They've all been wonderful. Well, if I'm half as good as they are, I'll be satisfied. Well, I understand you are. What sort of a part do you have in, in Sundowners, John? I play uh, Robert Preston and Robert Sterling's younger brother. Mm -hmm. Who else is in the picture? Uh, Chill Wills and Kathy Downs. I heard about Chill Wills. I understand he's... he's uh... What's new with Spring? Spring by... She's not in the Oh, film. is she in it? No, that's oh. his favorite actress. He, <laughs> he, he always likes to check on her because he, he doesn't get too many reports on her. Who's handling her publicity here in the East? Me. <laughs> he also handles publicity for Donald Novus. And Rubinoff and his violin. He writes, every, he reads, he writes everything you read about Rubinoff. <laughs> he does. But come on, John, tell us about this movie. Where was it made? And any funny stories happen on location or anything like that? A lot of funny stories were told, but no funny stories happened. Nothing funny really happened. I see. Uh, How long did it take to make it? Took about 28 days. Is that fast or, or slow for film? Well, that's very fast. Yeah. I don't think it would be fast. You yeah. said a, a minute ago that you have to persuade your mother to uh, to let you be in this picture. How, how come? Didn't she want you to be an actor? Well, not exactly. You see, she thought there was too many heartaches and everything in the business, and I was thinking about it for a couple of years, and finally one day I got up enough courage and ran up in a room and said, Mother, I'm going to become an actor, and boom, I ran out three times as fast as I ran in. <laughs> Well, Mom probably was right, too, John. But there are a lot of heartaches. But well, I, uh, that comes with almost everything. We have a Look lot of me here. We're, we're, our hearts are breaking, really, here. <laughs> Every time we get paid. Oh, what a <laughs> break. <laughs> uh, are you still in school, John? At least you guys get paid. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still in school. You are. And uh, that's high school, regular high school? Yeah, regular high school. I'm finishing up this year, I hope. Have you have you kid in, in plays in, in the school? And... Well, no, I uh, avoided them because... Of my mother. I mean, I guess she wanted me to go into high school plays and things like that, but I didn't. I wasn't too fond of the idea. Mm-hmm. So you didn't. That's I right. Did. I always wanted to be an actor. I don't know. I think there's something in me that says I should be in movies. I'm wondering now that we have Bob. Why don't you and I, and John, you be our guest expert, please. Bob and I will will uh, dramatize something. We'll present these little people. Who want to go to Hollywood and become movie stars? Well, why don't we do the do the whole program? I don't know whether you remember it, John, but a few years ago there was a there was a show that was on that sounded a little bit like the one we do once in a while, and uh, they usually had a, a real professional actor to judge the talents of the young people that they had up. Yeah. I believe uh, Raven McSorley was the one who that's, ran the show. That's our man. Like to uh, start the ball rolling, and we want you to be the judge, and you you can tell these people what they should do after you hear them. You've made a movie, John. You've got the experience. You've got a, a wonderful theatrical family behind you. Now you see what you think of these young people that we'll introduce here. I'm not much of a judge, but I'll do my best. All right, sit back in that plush chair, relax. That easy leather chair that we brought up for you, John. <laughs> ah, come now, on, Elizabeth. Right now. Now then, I think we should have so you ought to be in pictures. No, we can't touch that. That's somebody else's thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> sure. So, let's... let's. Well, no, this is our thing for Drusilla, you see. We ought to think of something else. What would be a good real Hollywood-type thing for a program like this? Hooray for Hollywood. Yeah, play Hooray for Hollywood. Oh, well, here, I'll write it out. 
I'm a new announcer on the program, folks. Our two guest con- contestants, Raven, are standing right here beside me. I'd like to have you meet them. Thanks. Uh, this is Clementine Sturdley. How do you do, Clementine? And this is Leroy Crumlin. Hello, Leroy. Oh, Mr. McQuarrie. <laughs> all right. First of all, I want you two nice kids. First of all, tell me, how did, uh, how'd you come thinking you want to be a star? Well, I always want to be an actor, Raven. Uh-huh. Uh, folks told me I, I had the, uh, I had the makings of it. I see. Uh, it's not a hammy, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, I think you got a point there, but it's on the top of your head. Well, that's what they told me. Uh, so I came up here hoping to get my big break on your show, and I think you're the only one that could get it. Well, we me. have a lot of people listening in that can do something for you. We like have the fellow who runs Los Poli in Death Valley out there. Oh, that's well, <laughs> boy. Well, I see you got John Barrymore Jr. sitting over here. I'll He's be our happy. guest, hey. I'll be glad to hear his comments of my work. Okay, then dry up, you know. I'm the MC in the show. I'd like to have you meet my lovely partner, Clementine Sturdley. Hello, Clementine. Welcome to this program. And what makes you think you want to be an actor? Oh, I don't know. I always thought I'd like it. <laughs> well, I'm right. too. Yeah. Okay, now I want you two fine kids to read this prepared script, you see. I then I'll know. make a slight correction or two if you need it. I don't think you will. And uh, then we'll have to read it again. With your assistant, Mr. McCauley, I'm sure we can do a superb job. That's enough. All right, go right ahead. Gertrude, I love you. Thanks. You are the flaming love of my life, and... And you have a hot foot there going. And I... I have always wanted to marry you. Why, do you love me, anything like that? He's a big speech, Clementine. Give it all you got, Jack. Uh, wait a minute, kids. You don't do that in the middle of a radio program. You don't give the other one encouragement to go on. You just uh, read your lines and let it go there. Wow. Uh, the young lady, I think, is fully cognizant of the fact that this oh, is she's a... fully cognizant, all right. ...of the fact that this is her big yeah. part. So uh, don't say nothing about it. Just let the kid do her best. Okay. Take it from the start again. You can't remember it, you say? Well, then re- just read your last line, and uh, the, the young lady will go right into it. Marry you. September. I'm ruined. Oh, I thought I was pretty good, Clem. Uh, it was all right. You made a few technical errors, such as September, that was uh, 32 life. days. But other than that, everything went off all right. Now then, I don't think you were sincere. You there. Uh, me? Yeah. I mean, when you're telling the girl you love her, you tell her, you know? You don't act like you're talking to your bookie. You know? Okay. You know, why don't you try it over again? Yeah, let's try it again. Only this time... Only this time, really, Phil. You With know, your kind advice, I should be able to do a superb job of it. All right, go ahead. Go right ahead. Gertrude, I love you. You are the flaming love of my life. That's much better. Not right. if you go push ahead, that, put the uh, cotton back in the hole in my head. Uh, right, flaming love of my life. Thank you. And I think, I think that you are grand, grand also. And I will always I love you, David. I always love you, David. Yes. Please, please always remember that to the very end, I'll, I'll be with you. And I want to marry you. Stop. Well, that's enough. Now we'll have to turn you two over to our guest judge and ask him what he thinks of these two aspiring thespians. Uh, John? It's kind of warm in here. You're right, Raven. Top of the window. All right. Go ahead, John. Terrific performance. Terrific. You think there's a place for them? Broadway. 
Broadway, that's Broadway. Broadway. Oh, I'll be with you. Bye. So long. Thank you. You've been wonderful to us. Give we can't stare time. out, Raymond, for the prize. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop the music. We have a telegram here. They want you two to go right to Hollywood to appear in the next stampede scene with Gene Autry. Oh, boy. Wonderful. So, so long. Good luck to you. And let's hear from you, if you get work. Right. Right. Indeed. Thanks again to you and your many listeners. I know you have a couple. <laughs> okay. Well, so much for that. Now, then, let's turn to another commercial, boss. Okay. I, you know what would be wonderful? I don't know whether you have anything in your contract about reading commercials. Wouldn't it be good if we could if we could have John Barrymore read a commercial for us? No. Would I you? No? So. John doesn't John is no radio announcer. Well, I mean, maybe he'd to, like to be, huh? Did John invite me out to do one scene with him in the movie? That's what I was leading up to. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, Bob, you read it in your own inimitable manner. Well, we have to have a transcription here. Oh, Everybody well. get gay and, and laugh and, all right. and be quiet, too. Open the magic door. This is the magic toy shop. We're busy as can be. Making toys for girls and boys. Where am I? Why, New England, doll and novelty. But where did you come from? I'm just a little girl, and I peeked in to see where Santa Claus gets all his toys. <laughs> Why, at New England, doll and novelty. Oh, look at them all. There's bikes and skates, carts and clocks, crayon slates, building blocks, choo-choo planes, aeroplanes, games and sleds, dolls and beds. Why, there's any time your heart desires. At New England Doll and Novelty. <laughs> now a word for my announcer, Peter Gorey. Yes, you'll find thousands of new toys that youngsters dream about with exceptional prices that invite comparison. New England Doll and Novelty Company is open until 10 o'clock every evening so that mother and dad can shop together. Visit New England Doll and Novelty Company, the house of the million items for over 30 years, 174 Washington Street. Oh, yeah, wait. State Street. Wait a minute, Peter. In Boston. That's better. Separate wholesale division available to dealers. On that part, you can get mad. <laughs> Well, I think you did a very effective job. The point we're trying to bring out is if, if you want... Here's a late bulletin just handed to me from the newsroom. Man killed while attempting suicide. Oh, stop, Peter. I think you did that all right, though, but I think I ought to go over it again. Well, I think we made the point clear, except the address is something we could mention again. Incidentally, uh, are you a person, Bob, who fills in E's and O's? No, I don't know who did that. I know it's... Well, I was speaking to the continuity writer this morning, and her typewriter comes equipped. So that all the E's and O's of any script he writes are completely filled in. Filled in E's and O's. And I might mention it takes a little fun away from me during a record show. I love to fill in E's and O's on commercials. And I wish you wouldn't do that anymore. Incidentally, every night I fill in all E's and O's in the Boston Traveler. Try it, friend. You'll like it. The best E's and O's you'll find anywhere to fill in. All over the place. There are more E's and O's in the Boston Traveler than any other paper in the world. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Well, believe it or not. To coin a brand new phrase. We haven't had any music, have we, today yet? No, I'd like to sing because... Well, we let Ken and Bill... Because... I'm sorry. Shall we? Go ahead, Father.
haven't even finished my lifesaver. Can you play another card for that? Really, I, I have a request to make of you gentlemen. A little longer arrangement. Now, I just had to shave when you stopped. <laughs> You're not doing... So from now on... You're not doing the job for which we're paying you so royally. Remember, you two men have become wealthy since you joined this program. And it's only through the, through the kindness of Bob's heart and mine that you're there. <clears throat> that you're on the brink of great things. Remember, someday you may be a big shot. Just think. A big shot in your gang. Wouldn't you like to be that? Sure. And here's our announcer to tell you how you may be a big shot in your gang. Send for Bob and Ray's new book, Being a Big Shot in Your Gang. It contains interesting uh, chapters, such as one, How to Be a Braggart. How to be the big pillow in your community. How the big pillar. Pillar, excuse me. And uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And it has the phrases I want to say to different people at what times and so forth. But we won't go into that. What I will go into right now is this commercial with the appropriate introduction. Here's my announcement. Thank you. Christmas is coming, friends. Here's a late bulletin for you. Indeed, there are only ten more shopping days before Christmas Eve. Ten. Now, to simplify your gift giving, with the perfect success of bringing pleasure to all, just take our advice. And that's just to make a list of all your loved ones and near friends with the promise that you'll give them all New England's traditional gift of goodness. And, of course, we mean Cynthia Sweet Chocolate. What better gift to give the missus on Christmas? Will she be happy? Ho, oh, and make sure they're pre-thumbed so that you'll know what she's eating. You see, Cynthia Sweet's hand-fashioned chocolate have been the family treat, a delight to eat for over 50 years. Think of that, friend. 50 years. Two decades. Cynthia Sweet's chocolates are always welcomed with pleasure because their quality and unique, delicious recipes are always in perfect good taste for the you most discriminating. The telephone is ringing. I'll take the call. Oh. Go right ahead. All right, sure. Hello? Only fresh dairy yeah, butter, egg George over at the agency. Oh. Fresh dairy butter, eggs and cream go into Cynthia Sweet's chocolate. He's putting as much fail to feel as he knows how into it, George. Only the choicest of nut meats and fruits. And Cynthia Sweet's special chocolate coating. I know it'll never sell, George, but he's doing the best he can. Is beyond imitation and beyond compare. The kid on the way up. So remember, friends, if you're on the way up. He thanks at Charlotte. Bank at Charlotte. Uh, ask for the gay Christmas wrap boxes of Cynthia Sweet's chocolates. And miss Cynthia chocolates at your nearest drugstore okay, or George. favorite bank, the candy counter. Give the beautiful Cynthia Sweet's package. Thank handsome, you, George. Handsomely done up. Do you like the way I'm doing it? You don't like it, no. Handsomely done up in Christmas red cellophane. Right, George. I'll meet you in front of the bank. I've got a late bulletin. You just hung up. Oh, you just hung up, George. Yes. Hi. Give Cynthia Sweet's chocolates to everyone on your list for Christmas. And you're sure to bring joy and satisfaction. Because, you see, Cynthia Sweet chocolates have been the first choice of Santa Claus at Christmas time for over 50 years. For those of you who tuned out while that commercial was on and are back with us now, our guest today is John Barrymore, Jr. John, we haven't had too much to say uh, to you, and you haven't had too much to say to us. I think we ought to talk a little bit more about you. How, how do uh, uh, Lionel, Ethel Barrymore and Lionel Barrymore feel about your movie career? Well, they... I think they like it very much. You see, when my mother decided upon it, she called up my Aunt Ethel and got on the phone and said, Professor Ethel, she said, do you think it would be, be wise if, if John went into pictures? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my aunt said in a very deep voice, why not? We, we all started before we were 17. And so that, that was the... Uh, so you going to be okay from the family. I got to be okay. Yes, yeah, well, John. And uh, I, for one, I want to see the picture. And, and to see you, really, now that I, I know you. You know, it's a funny feeling to go to a movie and 
to you sit there and realize that you sat and talked with the fellow you're watching on the screen. You didn't run into Vaughn Monroe out there on the range, did you, John? He was making a western line. You didn't run over him, did you? <laughs> I saw, saw him galloping by. Yeah. He's in a new picture, too, a cowboy thing. I can't quite picture a cowboy singer like that, but... Well, Vaughn, Vaughn is, a, is a western type. <clears throat> I mean, if I was Cecil B. DeMille, and sometimes I think I am... <laughs> I think I would use Varma Monroe in a Western picture. I suppose either that or I'd use him as a kid fucking out of prep school. I don't know which, one or the other. I think he'd, he'd be good as that. Well, can you imagine how his show is going to sound from now on? He's going, hello there, this is Varma Monroe with the milkmaids and my pinto. <laughs> yeah, it, wouldn't, it won't sound right, but that's up to Vaughn to work out uh, with his uh, writers. John, they say that uh, you're, you're going to be in another picture after first year. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's, a, it's another Western called the called Deadfall. Uh, Lois Butler. Uh-huh. A beautiful yeah. girl. Is this uh, picture of the sundown, is, does it have a, a historical motif, or is it just a... a what do you mean? You know, I, don't, I mean, I don't follow, you know? I mean, what do you mean by that question? You know, well, I mean, that, is that it, motif there. <laughs> I mean, is it based on history, or does it have a... Uh, is it just a straight story? Well, it's just, just a straight story. There's, there's actually no history behind it. Not about the Wells Fargo, nothing like that? No, not like that. No saloons and no stagecoach. Any Indians, anything like that? Nope. Oh, Jiminy. I mean, they didn't import Indians from one or two Indians on the U.S. government reservation. Gee, Whitaker. Well, I suppose you have bad men, though. Who's yeah. the bad man in the picture? Robert Preston plays the uh, bad man. He does? Robert Preston, I have always enjoyed the movie. He's a great guy. Did he really? No, oh, it's Well, he, he would give me the impression that he was. I've always enjoyed Kathy Downs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I say, I've always liked Flicker. I have, yeah, really. I mean, people laugh, but I like Flicker. Very much. I think Flicker does it. Why does everyone laugh at me? Everyone laughs at me all the time just because I like Flicker. <laughs> I like the little animal in that other movie, too. What's that? I forget now. The little deer. Oh, yeah. Bambi? Yes. And I like Bambi very much. Oh, People right. always say, there's a guy like Bambi, and they well, laugh at me. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> None of us like, like Bambi. You know, Everyone Bambi. laughs and giggles and points their finger at me. Where? When can we see this movie, and where? Uh, I think it'll be out about February. Uh, up here in Boston? Yeah. Yes, sir. Be here at the Pilgrim Theater here. Oh, well, thanks, Bob. That's all I wanted to know. I wish you could be around, John, for the opening here, but uh, I guess you can't stay that long, can you? I wish I could, too, but I can't. Well, thanks a lot for coming up and visiting with us today. You don't want to, to put up with this nonsense. And, uh, yeah. I want to wish you all the luck in the world, really. Thanks a million. Certainly really do. Ken, uh, Ken You'll be looking for future pictures. All right, you two follow. Right. I'm just Ken Wilson played the organ. Bill Green, the piano. Charlie, we're going to our engineer. When we get to Hollywood, John, we'll meet you. Matt Mayo, Bob will be here again tomorrow at the same time. Uh, right if you get work and hang by your thumbs. It's fun. This is WHCH in Boston.